And there's a saying that says that a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And uh, I, I believe that with all of my heart. I'm, I'm a visual learner. I, if I can see it, I can get it. And a lot of times when I hear things, I can't fully grasp it. I remember when I came here and I was uh, first came here as a youth pastor, I was going on my first trip, and I didn't know the area very well, and this was before the time of GPS. And uh, I went to one of the parents, and I said, I just need to get on the interstate and be able to get to where I'm going out of town, and, and I explained it, and they said, oh, it's really easy. And I said, could you sit down and draw a map for me? And they said, oh, you don't need a map. And I said, no, usually I, if I can see the roads and where they connect and everything, I, I, I'm better with that working off a map than I would be you just telling me. He goes, no, I'm telling you, it's so easy. He said, all you do is take this road out till you hit Monk's Corner and hang a left at Monk's Corner. It will drive you right down to hit the interstate. So I'm like, okay. And I told my wife, I said, all we got to do is go down here to Monk's Corner. And I am driving and I am looking for a Monk statue, a Monk clothing store, a Monk sign, a Monk anything, a Monk holding a sign up or, you know, I, I, I am just anything that screamed and said Monk's Corner. Well, come to find out, that's just what people call it around here. Nothing in that intersection says the word monk. I, I, I was bitter towards monks. I mean, it just, I drove smack through where I was supposed to because there was no monk and drove all the way downtown driving around. I mean, you got to understand for me, I'm from Redneck, Alabama, driving downtown Columbus looking for a monk still in downtown Columbus, driving around and everything, so frustrated. We drove, and Lord is my witness, for like 40 minutes. We stopped at McDonald's. The teens got out. They're just goofing off and everything in the back. And they were like, how close are we? And I'm like, oh, we're still in Columbus. You know? I, I didn't know. And the thing is, if, if, if they would have just said, go down here and turn here, da, 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 I, I could have got it. But I could not visualize. I could not get in my head what they had in their head. And I feel like sometimes that's the way the love of God is with us. I, I, I read it, but I don't get it. And maybe some of you get it, and I, I'm happy for you. But God's love is amazing love. And I, okay, it's amazing love. And God's love is unconditional love. Now, now, now we start getting into that area where it's like, whoa, okay, I don't get that. It's agape love. It means it has no limits. It never stops. It never fails. It never walks away. It never throws in the towel because we're not that way. You, you can say all you want that I love you and I'm in this and I'll be with you forever. Just, just get to that point because people that have stood on an altar in this, on this stage right, right here and it's said with till death do us part and then something comes up and, and they're going the other way because it is not totally true that we live that life of agape love. I don't get it. Because of that, I have insecurities. And because of that, I, I, I question, I get confused. Why is he so passionate about me that is a sinner? That I do more to let him down than I do to praise him. I, I, I'm going to take you and I'm going to just pray that God will give us a visual. Because he did in this passage in turning your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of Hosea. Some of you are familiar with this story. But God himself decided to give the children of Israel a visual illustration of his love. 
He decided, he said, I'm, I'm going I'm to set a stage and I'm going to act it out in front of you. I'm going to give you exactly what is on my heart. And I'm going to call Hosea to act out this story of God's amazing love. He's going to use this prophet to visualize it for us. And the Bible says in Hosea chapter 1 verse 1, that the word of the Lord came to Hosea the son of Berai. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, king of Judah... In the, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea and said to Hosea, now, now, now brace yourselves, okay? Go, and take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and the children of whoredoms. For the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I know... The story that we're about to read, Lord, goes beyond what makes sense. But Lord, help us to understand that the love that you have for us goes beyond what makes sense to us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll just give us clear understanding, Lord, as you paint this masterpiece, this picture, this artwork of your love for us. Lord, that we'll understand, Lord, that your love never fails and it never gives up. I thank you, Lord, for this time that we can be together as saints of God. I thank you for every guest that you brought our way. I thank you, Lord, for the, the honor that we have, Lord, to, to sit in your presence, to pray to your name, and to read your word. I pray this in your name. Amen. I, there's no way to read this and not be taken back, because what I read for you is exactly what God said. Be reminded that Hosea is a prophet of God, a man of righteousness, a man to preach righteousness, a man to follow the laws of God. His job was to reach the people that are lost in, in, in adultery and, and fornication and things like this. And now he receives the instruction from God where God says, no, I want you, the prophet of God, to step out of your little religious circle and I want you to go to where they're at and I want you to take to you a wife. Not a ministry, not reaching out, not just preaching, not just reaching out to her. But the story explains this condition of this woman that God said to go and take to be his wife. It is a wife of whoredoms, a wife of adultery. It's not saying that she had already committed adultery. And we don't know that, the Bible doesn't say, but the fact that she had this character or the background or the story or the history of being such a lady... The thing is, it's not the type of lady that a prophet would desire. It's not, in our mind, what would make sense. And I, and I think of us, and I'm thinking, if God was to love me, then I need to be, I, I, I need to straighten on my act. And so many people say that. I'm going to get back in church when I get my act worked out. I, I, I'll tell you, if that's what you're waiting on, you'll never get back in church. You'll never serve God. You'll never follow Him. You'll never please God. Not the type of girl that you would want to bring home to your mama. I remember my, my dating years, and I remember how critical my mom was. And I'm telling you, there was no girl good until I met Jenny. And then she was like bringing in an angel. But, uh, but my mom, I mean, it was just like, you can imagine just, just what the, the reputation, what everybody was thinking is, he walks up and he takes this girl, and I, I don't know how this transpires, and we can imagine in our minds as God we know told her told him to go and take him to be his wife to marry to commit to pledge his heart his allegiance 
You guys know what I'm talking about? So death do us part. And the thing is, we know God's view on marriage. We, we, we know what God says is for what I have put together, let no man put asunder. Let, this, this is a commitment that we are putting before God, a commitment that God is making between these two that is not to be undone. The thing is that God was painting them a picture and he was painting us a picture today. We can all agree that this does not make sense at all and it doesn't. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that make sense when it comes to with what God does about God commanding us to watch or, or live holy and righteously and to walk in his ways and all those things I could get and I could repeat and I could understand, but this doesn't make sense. And I don't know how it happens, but this relationship begins to unfold. And, 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 and it doesn't say a specific person. It says, go take of. So I'd imagine there was some kind of romance and there's some kind of love and reaching out and I, I don't know what was going on but we know the illustration leads us to the point that she does become his wife and as the prophet of God is seeking out this unworthy wife we see number one the savior that sought us the savior that sought us can I remind you guys that we love him because he first loved us You you did not go seeking God. He went seeking you. And if you would understand that, you say, well, why is that a big deal? Because it was God's desire. And Pastor Joe was preaching last Sunday night, and he, he mentioned, and he said, it's not that God needed us, but we sure do need God. In light of God not needing us, the thing that blows my mind is the fact that God wanted us. And God said to Jose, he said, man, I want, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go seeking after her. I, I, I want you to go knocking on her door. I want you to talk to her dad. I want you to propose to her. I want you to reach out to her. I want her to know that you were seeking her. You can imagine the response of this girl. Wanting to know why. I, I, you can imagine if you have that kind of reputation. And I mean if you were living that lifestyle and to have them knock on the door and for the prophet of God, known prophet of the community, to walk in and knock on your door and say, hey, sir, I'd like permission if I could speak to your daughter and begin to say, you know, and I, I know it's not, I'm talking in our day and age and it's not the same and I know that, but this is what I know. But to reach out to her hand and for her to scratch her head and wonder why in the world would he want me? What does this righteous man see in me that he would desire to know me? We can only imagine the start of this relationship. I'd imagine that she probably questioned quite a bit. And I'd imagine as Hosea is showing the love of God, I'd imagine she was experienced love and a relationship and an outpouring of goodness like she has never experienced before. You see, given her reputation, she probably had never experienced true love before. To be loved for who she was and not what she had to offer. You see, if we were to flip the, 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 the passage here, and we get later in this, and some of you are already there in your minds, and you already know where we're going, the Bible explains and describes her as being a prostitute. We're, we're not just saying that she was one that slipped away from God. She is the one that lived the opposite lifestyle of what she should have lived in light of what God was giving her. But through all this, she had to be intrigued. some point, they, they married. Can you imagine those wedding announcements going out? Prophet Hosea. 
Horish woman Gomer. You know, I, I doubt if it said that, but uh, you can imagine the word being spread through the city, the places that Hosea has gone to preach. And hey, did you hear Hosea's getting married? Really, to who? What kind of woman would level up or be good enough for Hosea? Gomer. Oh my. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it just in our minds we read this, but let me remind you that this is God explain it from the very first verse of what is going on. I know we're focusing and we're preaching the message of Hosea, but just stop and think of it from the perspective of this woman named Gomer. I mean, to be standing at the altar with a righteous man, to to have him say the words, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never walk out on you. Where you dwell, I will dwell. Where you go, I will dwell. And I will be forever your husband. You talk about grace. Her being poured upon her something that she did not deserve or earned or, or, or whatsoever lived a life that merited whatsoever. Now she finds herself in a whole new world. Being accepted and loved and embraced by the righteous. With the birth of their children, the picture of God begins to be painted and things begin to make sense. Now I'm going to tell you, as this story unfolds, it's not the romantic story that we would like because I would like to say that she embraced and followed her husband and she was so taken back that this man would love her so much that she just fell in love and followed him, but that's not the case. Continue in verse 3, so, she went, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel. For yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, who will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. We first started off with the Savior that sought, but I hate to do this, but now we have to go into the sin that separates. You see, every one of these children that are being born... Hosea is just living this life and following the, 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 the goal that God has given him, the, this mission that God has given him. And all of a sudden, things began to change in the house. As the first child is born, God begins to unveil these things. And God taps on Hosea on the shoulder and says, I will name your kids. I will name your children. The first child, although Israel had belonged to God, they were coming out and they were disobeying God. And God said, I'll tell you what, they can run off to their gods and fight their wars and go against me. And I'm telling you here, God said, I will pull away my power. I will judge them. I will drive them to their knees. Israel is nothing without God. Now, they're not getting this. This first child is born and labeled of that. The product of this relationship that should have been pure and holy and honoring God now is showing the, 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 the signs of disobedience. Her heart was drifting. Her heart was not faithful in spite of all that Hosea had done. By this time, Hosea began to see the signs that things are not right and legit. I I don't know what's going on, but we know by chapter 2 that it's very obvious that Hosea knows that his wife is being unfaithful. In all of my years of ministry, I can testify that the most devastating hurt that can be involved in a relationship is unfaithfulness. To be betrayed by the one that you love the most. To be betrayed by the one that is pledged to be loyal. To have your back. To be there. To never leave you. To love you unconditionally. It's a deep emotional pain. 
I don't know when or I don't know how, but the reality is set in. And, and Hosea began to get fed up with the lies and the deceit and all the other garbage that comes with it. As she is going back to her wayward ways and her wayward heart and disobeying God in every way. Hosea begins to realize that Gomer is being unfaithful. Here's the thing about sin. You can hide it, but God will unveil it. The Bible says, in the, in the Bible very clearly, he said, be sure your sin will find you out. The thing about our sin is when we fall into sin, when we make mistakes, when we do things, the first thing we try to do is cover it up because of the shame that is involved. I don't want anybody to know what I have done, so we cover it up. Here's the thing, as our God being our God, he looks on at us and says, I will not cover up your sin because it is your sin that separates you from God. You realize what God desires most from us is us? You realize what God had done from the very beginning is he was seeking them out. And as they had this relationship that was so amazing that sin began to creep in and divide them. Now God is calling them out in chapter 2. explains that this child is not his own. In spite of all that Hosea had done from Gomer, she is betraying him. Read verse 8. Now when time, when she had weaned Loruma. She conceived and bare him a son and said, God called his name, Lo Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. I know this sounds abrupt and gruesome and, and hurtful, but God begins to say, here's the thing, as you begin to have this affair with the world, God says you are putting division between you and I. See, the thing is, God will not tolerate our sin. We look at America and we think, why are things so bad? The thing is, the only thing that has made America great is America following after God. And we get this idea that why would God judge America? And I, and I try to explain as people now are almost getting critical using that as an excuse to try to have more separation of church and state. See, the thing is, it, it's, it's, it's a lack of God being there. When we sit there and we push God out of every aspect, including marriage, church, school, everything we have, when we push God out, we leave ourselves naked and open, and, and, and without God, we are without power. We bring it upon ourselves. And the thing is, we, we can sit there and look at America all day long and see what's going on. God was not just judging the wayward nations. He was talking to his people. Church, we today are God's people. We are his people. And one by one, as they began to go to the world and go to the others and flirt with the world, God said, I will not tolerate it. It's a horrible illustration. This is a horrible, gruesome, gross illustration, but it is God's illustration. To be married to a loyal, loving husband and for that spouse to cheat on you would break your heart. It's disgusting. But God says, I want you to get this visual. That is what you're doing with me. Our sin hurts our God. You say, I, I, I hate that. I can't even imagine that. That is, if I was to stand before you and, and stand up here and tell you a modern day illustration of somebody cheating on somebody else and that being an affair and dividing them up, you would say, I don't want to hear it. That's wrong. We shouldn't even talk about that. And God says, that is what you're doing. 
We say that the, 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 the separation, the betrayal, the hurt, everything that goes along with it, and God's trying to say, yes, that is what I want you to see because I love you so much. Your sin is not just something that God turns his head at. God says, I cannot tolerate it. I think of the modern day of this. I'm asking us, do we get God's message or do we, do, do we view our sin this way? In James 4, 4, it says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that your friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. He said, man, that's, 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 that's pretty rough. I, I, I can't imagine that illustration and God saying, you want to know why things aren't right? Can you dare imagine you openly having a girlfriend off to the side and coming home and trying to snuggle up to your wife and wondering why there's cold and distance in the relationship? Yet we do that where we'll live the life of sin and everything else that we drag into our lives that God said should not be there. And then we walk in the church and stand and sing to our God and God says, you can keep it. I do not want to hear it. I do not want to touch it. I do not want to please you. I do not want to be with you. And you say, wait a minute, God does. But the thing is, our sin hurt God. God said, I will no longer. You are separating. You have drug in others. You say, my sin is my business. Not with God. Just as a relationship is damaged with us and separates us when a spouse cheats, God is saying you have damaged our relationship with God when we have an affair with the world. Hosea, Hosea feels this pain. His heart is broken. Hosea in chapter 2, when we flip over, he begins to pour out his heart. And you say, how did this make him feel? He says, oh, this is just the way it is. No, he felt every bit of this. It's like, what more could I do? What more could I give? In the result of all of this, through all of this, Hosea stood there remaining faithful to Gomer. Say ye unto your brethren, Ami and your sister, Ruhamah, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and set her as it was in the day that she was born. And make her as wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she hath conceived them, and have done shamefully. For she has said, I will go after my lovers, and give, them, give me my bread, and my water, my wool, and my flax, my wine, oil, and my drink. I'll be honest. In most relationships, when it comes to this point, it's over. And you say, <laughs> wait a minute, I stood on that altar, I pledged my love, I said that's it. No, there comes a point where it sits there and you just say, I can't take any more lies. I, I, I can't bear the shame. I can't have everybody know that I am married to someone that does not care. She stepped out and Hosea is sitting there as he is addressing the children that are not even his own children. 
begins to plead with them and say, I love your mother, but I ask you, I plead with you as their children, cry out to your mother and beg her to come back to me. See, the thing is, sin creates scars and relationships that are not easily overlooked. I, I, I sit in my office and I counsel with people all the time. As soon as that concept, that, that, that idea, that, that situation comes up in a phenolterous affair, I'll tell you, there, there's a hurt that comes over the other person that says, I don't know if I can ever trust again. You say, I, I, don't, I don't get this. You say, this is, really does not make sense. You've got to understand our sin. I, I'm really just trying to put on a level, or not me, God is. To say to the church, do you understand what you have going on in your life? The sin that you're living in, the going after, the thing that you have hid that God is eventually going to expose. All of these things that we have in their life. And God says, I am broken hearted. I love you. I sought you. But the sin has separated us. See, it will cost you. It will cause problems with your kids. It will cost you your reputation. It will cost you your integrity. The scene unfolds at the end and God tells Hosea his desire. And you said, wait a minute, you already said that. I, I want you to sit down and soak this up as we finish out this passage. Because this is where we go from our love to his love. This is where we switch in where I would say as a husband, I am done. I am out. I am sick of you. I can't take it anymore. I am through with the sickness of what you've brought into our life. And so many Christians have ran from God and gotten away and made mistakes and covered up and shamefully dropped their head in such a way that they feel like God could not even look at them. And they stay out of church and they stay away from God because of this shame that is brought on them. But let me show you chapter 3, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord towards God, or towards the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. Can you imagine Hosea? I'm just weeping, broken, pouring out his heart, begging these kids. You can imagine every time that they had that encounter as Hosea is running the, or Gomer is running the streets and with all these different people and in these situations, him pleading in his tears saying, please, please, please stop. And then for God to reach down from heaven and say, Hosea, I'm not done with this story. Actually, it's quite the opposite. I'm just beginning. And God said, Hosea, I want you to actually go to her. And it describes this. And you say, wait a minute, even now she is still in her sin. Read again. Love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. Yet an adulteress. God, she's still running from me. God places his purpose on this painting as we visualize the love of God. He tells Hosea, in spite of all that Israel has done to me, in spite of all the false gods they have bowed to, and in spite of all the lavish living that they've run to, God says, I still love them. Can I tell you, 
no matter where you are or what you've done, God still loves you. You say, I can't get that. I can't comprehend it. Wait till you see the rest of this. We have seen how the Savior that sought us, and we saw the sin that separates us. But the last thing, we see the Redeemer that restores us. This is why the love of God is the greatest love story ever written. In Romans 5, 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Without strength. Let, let me lay it out like this. When you were so caught up in your sin that you couldn't even stand anymore, God still died for you. When you were so addicted and so full of sin and so consumed with yourself, God still did what he did for us. Now read on verse, chapter 3, verse 2. So I bought her to me. Just want you to stop and think for a minute. Why in the world did he have to take his back his wife by purchasing his wife? If we were to sit down and have a conversation with Gomer, you know what she would tell us today? She would tell you that sin will take you further than you want to go. Let me explain this by starting with the problem that she had. The Bible does not say how, but in the process of her sin, she went somewhere from being an adulteress to being a prostitute to being a slave. See, in that culture, eventually she consumed so much debt in her life or so many problems in her life, and she got so low in her life that she is now for sale by the world. You see, the thing that I can tell you about sin, it won't stop until you're a slave to it. There's a lot of people, and I'm not just talking about in the world, I'm talking about in the local church that are slaves to their sin. You can't stop. You can't quit. You can't get up. You can't get out. You can't run from it because it comes up and it pulls you back and it pulls you back to your spot and it tells you to your face, you belong to me. And I see that. The more and more that I see that of people that can't overcome their sin of fornication, they can't overcome their sin of lust and greed, you become an habitual liar in your life. You become so lustful, you can't even look at people without lusting. I see in the local church people that are consumed. Sins of drugs and alcohol and everything else, the lust of the world, the flagons of wine, everything that the world has to offer, eventually it will put chains on you and it will hold you back. I see her problem. See, the thing is, she got to the point that even if she wanted to, she could never have stood up to run back to Hosea. Do you understand what we have done you understand so many people that you love and you say, man, I wish I could reach out to my son or my daughter or my friend or whatever. They are so bound in their sin that they can't even, they don't even feel like they can come to God. But it gets worse. We not only see the problem, but we see the place. Then said the Lord unto me, go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend. Go yet. Go, once again, we see that same word that we saw from the beginning. 
Hosea is now on this venture to go seeking out and finding his wife. Now you've got to understand the place of where she's at. In, in the Bible it describes different things about being a slave. And I know that is foreign to our culture. But the thing is she had gotten so low that she had no value to anyone except being a slave. And the places that they would bring these women, oftentimes they would have these areas set up. And they would pound stakes into the ground and they would tie a rope to it and they would bound those slaves there and those women lining up and those perverts and those men would walk down through there and one by one they would go there and they would offer a price for them as if they had no value. All they cared is about serving themselves. It reminds me of the devil that sits there and bounds us up and he lays us down there and we're just sitting there as advertisement of the world and all the trash and the garbage that comes around and young ladies and men that sit there and just have opened themselves up to the world, they will never satisfy, they will never love you, they will never meet your needs, they will never care about you like the one that did from the beginning. Never. Let me tell you, the places that you would go to buy someone like this is not the place that a man of God would go. Some of you are painting this already in your head. You know what blows my mind the most about God's love when he died for us on the cross? As he stepped out of perfection to walk into our imperfection. He stepped off the throne of God to walk into our sin. He dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. All of this just didn't make sense. You can imagine the chatter of the people and them watching and looking as the Hosea, the prophet of God, begins to walk through frantically, holding up faces and looking around, searching for the one that he loved. And the Bible tells us that when we have gone astray, he leaves the ninety and nine to look and search after the one that has gone astray. You see, it's just not a matter that he cared about The fact that he loved her is the fact that he sought after her to redeem and restore her and bring her back. And then we get to the price. Hosea chapter 3 verse 2 and it says, so I bought her to me. And the Bible describes 15 pieces of silver and a homer and a half of barley. That's half the price of a slave. Half the price of a slave. 15 pieces of silver. Because in the eyes of them, she was worth nothing. It was almost like just saying, just get her out of my sight. I don't want to see her anymore. I don't, I don't want to deal with her anymore. You know, this is what blows my mind. I know that Hosea goes and redeems her. And I know that he takes her home. But can you imagine her being so used and abused and, and worthless and a slave that has been just slung to the side that nobody cared and walking down there one by one as the people make the snark remarks and kick them and say, oh, wasn't that the one that was once married to Hosea the prophet? Wasn't that the one that had everything and that was given all that? Can you imagine as Hosea goes up and he pays the price? And that day that he walks over there, and this time when she felt that touch, it was something that she had not felt in a long time. Reaching down and touching her hand, When we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I'd imagine that Hosea picked her up and she had no strength in of herself and she was not fed and everything else that goes along with that. And Hosea 
picking her up and carrying home his bride to his home once again. Can you imagine as he walked to the city and he walks past all the men that stood there and said, yeah, I knew that woman. I paid her once. Walks past all the critics that are sitting there saying, hey, I thought you were a prophet of God. Surely he had borne our sin, carried our shame, our sorrow. And at the end of it, this restoration, he calls out to her. And I said unto her, thou shalt abide with me for many days. And thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. See, this is, this is the desire of God for us. That is what God had. So here's the thing that you need to know today. There's no such thing as going too far for God to love you. There's no such thing as I've dropped the ball too much. There's no thing of saying that I've messed up too much for God to care about me. God said, I tell you, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Let me say it. It's been going through my mind. His love never fails. It will never give up. It will never let go of us. And God is calling out to us and he's screaming out to us and he's saying, man, if they would just get the love that I have for them, if they would understand the sin that separates us, if they only knew my heart. I love Hosea chapter 14, verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from them with head bowed and eyes closed. I want you to know that God is pursuing you. I'm not just saying that God loves you. No, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm here to tell you that God is anxiously with all of his heart pursuing you. And you said, I'm not worth it. In his eyes, you are worth it. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It did not matter that he was king of kings and lord of lords. He put on our unrighteousness, went on the cross, and he died for your sins. And I guess I'm tired of living in a world that doesn't know that. Living in a world that is bound by chains of addiction. Living in a world that is messed up. And you've got the idea that it's that way forever. Not when God gets involved. But only, only only when you accept the loving hand of your God.